Hello and welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, uh, going solo through Thursday's nine-game NHL slate. Um, the date is October 14th, so if you're listening to this after the fact, you know, you might want to get on out of here because this podcast won't be relevant for you uh, after Thursday night. Uh, as you can tell, I am doing this show solo. Uh, big shout out to DJ going to a concert, you know, uh, starting a new job, going to a concert tonight. I said, you know what, buddy, I got this. Let's get in the driver's seat and let's go. Um, so, you know, here we are. It is about 11 o'clock on uh, Wednesday night. So obviously all of this news is pending morning skate and things like that. Um, but my plan for this episode is to kind of go through game by game and talk about, you know, potential ways to attack each game from a DFS perspective. Um, you know, uh, I do want to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, um, there's nine games and not every play from every game is really in play. Um, so I kind of want to, you know, make that clear from the very beginning that like um, I you know, I have my preferred plays, but really what this is, is really trying to give as much information and noteworthy, uh, like facts and, and, you know, as, and logic as I can and sort of allow the listeners to build good lineups with that information, that that's really sort of the, the key here, especially doing a solo show without being able to sort of banter around the ideas. Um, a lot of what I think I'm going to do is, you know, in super duper early stages. So um, I definitely do appreciate you guys tuning in uh, both Tuesday and Wednesday now. Um, and yeah, you know, let's uh, get on into things. Uh, I guess real quick, um, I, I think DJ and I both have mini sweats in the uh, spin on Wednesday night. Um I'm currently in 17th going into the second period of the late games with uh, all but three players in, in progress still. So I have the PMR lead on literally everyone ahead of me, not named uh, Sissima um, and testosterone stuck a lineup in there with Bo and Byram that passed me, I suppose. Um, but, you know, so th- there's, some decent lineups here. I think DJ's also one of his two is in the top 30 at the moment. Um, so, you know, I uh, hope uh, they're both in the money actually too, which is uh, definitely good news. So hopefully you guys, you know, uh, played Ovi. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, the, it was, it's a very binary slate at the moment. It's either, you know, you have Ovi, you're competing for big money or you don't. Um, I thought my strategy was, you know, I pretty much came up with it right away and really stuck to it. Um, pretty much all of my lineups wound up with 12 tickets into the spin. Uh, all of my teams, I basically, this was such a unique slate where uh, we knew that the mega chalk would be the, the 10 o'clock Connor McDavid. And we also knew that McDavid Dreisaitl, um, you know, they were coming in. I thought about 50-40% on the two. It ended up being about 56-50 in the end, so pretty close. And basically no one else outside of Edmonton would be above 15%. So, you know, getting that right obviously feels good. But I think more importantly, the, the process that led me to what I assume will be a profitable night, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens um, to, to close things out here. But um, 
really, I just looked at the slate and I said, uh, what happens when McDavid goes nuclear? And, you know, um, obviously that's not the most likely outcome. The most likely outcome is somewhere in his mid-range where, you know, he picks up a couple points, maybe a few shots on goal and gets you, you know, 20 or 15 to 20 DraftKings points. Um, that would, I say, is like an average McDavid night. And that's about where his median projection came in. What happens when McDavid, you know, kind of breaks the slate, so to speak, uh, to win a tournament? Well, you're going to need to hit almost every part of your roster or you are going to need uh, a true outlier outcome from a couple of spots in your roster at lower ownership. Now, fortunately for us, the other parts of your roster part of that, you know, at lower ownership is pretty easy because basically no one else on the slate was uh, you know, super likely to be highly concentrated on those Connor McDavid lineups. You know, I, I don't believe anybody else came in above 20% outside of Edmonton. So there you go. That that's sort of that the first step. And the second step was, well, we have a number of really solid values in the early part of the slate. Um, you know, and I say value, I don't just mean like cheap guys, but I mean, Alex Ovechkin at 7.2 was, was a key number that was just kind of flooring to me. Um, we have some value over in Montreal where the first line was just bizarrely priced down. Uh, that didn't end up coming through. But so, you know, in, in addition to the other sort of just plays you could throw out there and feel pretty good about, say, Jason Spezza or Morgan Riley even was a bit cheap. Um, there were just lots of ways that you could say, I'm going to get this 10% own piece in the early part of the slate. And based on what that piece of my lineup does, uh, I will make my decisions from there. Um, you know, we literally had about 25 minutes between 9.30 and 10 o'clock where we knew that, you know, for example, Montreal one had failed. Um, Caulfield, I think at four shots was the highest scoring guy on that line. If you played them, if you played Petrie, you're toast. Uh, you need to get off McDavid and you can swap over to, you know, some higher leverage pieces such as uh, Ranton and Landis got Kadri or uh, Chicago or even a team like Anaheim. Um, you know, you just had to get off of the chalk, so to speak, because you're not making up, you're not min cashing in GBPs. You're not, you know, going to save your lineup by playing McDavid. Um, so that is literally what I did for all 12 of my lineups. I had some pieces early in them. Um, and, you know, I, I said, okay, this lineup has a Montreal one stack. This lineup has a Ranger stack. I'm going to get off of it to just get something weird. Um, doesn't matter what it is. I'm just going to make sure it's weird. And so that's what I did. And then I had a few OV teams because, you know, I was four X to field on OV, I guess at 40 something percent. Um, and I said, all right, my OV teams, they can stay. I found ways to fit in McDavid, dry settle OV into, uh, I think four of my teams, of course, I screwed one of them entirely by playing freaking Slater Cuckoo. Um, I just completely uh, brain farted and assumed he was in. Uh, we didn't see lines. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And then 959, I'm like, huh, I should check that. Saw the morning skate. It was too late. Um, so just me being an idiot there. But uh, fortunately, my best team doesn't have him. It's just one of my, you know, uh, kind of good teams. So we'll see. Um that one, you know, they're all prayers basically anyway, because of how the salary dynamics worked between Ovi, McDavid, and Dreisaitl. 
Um, it was just tough to, to fit in good players around them, obviously. So, um, you know, it's me and just a bunch of dudes kind of fighting for scraps with, with that specific combination. And, you know, uh, testosterone hit a Kasha Byram pairing. But anyway, uh, sort of the, the way that you played the slate, I think, was very uh, important and very unique um, for, for that specific slate. Uh, so I don't really think there's anything quite like that on Thursday night. I, I don't think there'll be anything quite like that uh, this season, honestly. Like, it's very rare that such an obvious uh, situation unfolds where there's such, you know, it's basically an NFL slate where there's uh, late chalk and then there's late clear obvious pivots. Um, so hopefully you guys, you know, uh, had some success on Wednesday and hopefully, even if you didn't, uh, hopefully you learned something and hopefully you had, you know, fun because I literally thought this was one of the most fun DFS slates of, you know, uh, of for the last while uh, in combination with, you know, the, the dynamics of it and then the, the large GPP that uh, was acquiring tickets for. So anyway, let's get into things on Thursday night. I'm going to go through game by game. Uh, that's much easier to sort of collect my thoughts and sort of this express them in a coherent matter. So I'm uh, going to start with the first game on the slate. It's Montreal on a road back-to-back at the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, I guess real quick, the other nine games are Toronto at Ottawa, uh, Toronto being sizable favorites there. We have Pittsburgh at Florida. We have Dallas at the Rangers, Islanders at Carolina, Arizona at Columbus, Tampa at Detroit, Seattle at Nashville, and Vegas at LA. So there's your slate. Um, the largest favorites include uh, Tampa minus 260, Florida minus 160, uh, Toronto minus 165. Um, kind of surprising. Montreal is minus 135 and Vegas is only minus 155. Um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with those numbers. So uh, I just wanted to throw those out there because I think that's not necessarily the, uh, you know, the, the likeliest. I, I don't think many people quite would agree with that. And also Nashville at home being favored over Seattle is another interesting number. And I, and I wonder how people sort of uh, respond to that. So, um, you know, we're not going to talk about the betting side, but I think it is pretty interesting if you have a strong uh, lean on the slate, because it does kind of feel like there's a couple of public sides that might be uh, misrepresented there in those lines. So uh, let's start off with Buffalo at Montreal. Montreal, we're expecting to sort of remain the same. Like, you know, even when they were trailing, they didn't really stray from to Foley, Suzuki, Caulfield. Um, oddly, maybe not surprisingly, because, you know, Buffalo, um, they, they priced up Cole Caulfield and Toffoli to ridiculous numbers, and then they dropped Brendan Gallagher to 3,400. So Caulfield is now 6,300, and Gallagher is 3,400. Uh, today they were 5.1 and 4.9 for Callagher and Caulfield respectively. I'm not sure I've seen anything like that, um, but a common theme on this slate is there are a lot of just inexplicably cheap players, um, which makes it very easy to fit in uh, some of your favorite studs. So, you know, on the Buffalo side, we're seeing Casey Middlestat be way priced up to 4,900. However, his line mate, Jeff Skinner, um, you know, super gross, but 3,100 top power play. Um, if you're, if you think middle stats, a good player, I kind of do Skinner is a screaming value given his power play role. 
and kind of similar, Victor Olofsson, 3,400. Uh, that guy should be their, you know, power play scorer. He's 3,400. Um, you're not going to need those values necessarily because there are just so many of them. We'll get to those around the slate. Um, and obviously Gallagher's like a better play just straight up. Um, but I do think that the, the Buffalo guys offer some unique correlations. You know, you could get them at very low ownership against a tired Montreal team that uh, didn't really look great against Toronto. I know it was just a one goal game, but uh, they, they didn't really feel dangerous at any point. And it sure felt like uh Toronto sort of had the best of them um, just in, in watching that game. But anyway, we can move on from there because there's really not that much else interesting. Um, so going over to Toronto facing Ottawa, uh, Ottawa remembers still missing Brady Kachuk. Uh, he's not signed a contract. So Ottawa to me is a full on stay away. Um, you know, we're, we're paying in the four K's for Batherson and Stutzel and like, yeah, that's that's good prices in a vacuum, but on this slate, man, like, uh, well, we haven't even gotten close to uh, you know maybe Gallagher's the most surprising name, but there are so many names. I think you guys will be shocked if you haven't looked through yet just at these prices. Um, and also, Josh Norris is almost five k, as is Thomas Shabbat north of six k. Just no thanks. Uh, Morgan Riley, on the other hand, comes in sub five k. That's very nice. Um, Jason Spezza. Uh, let's see. He got moved over to the wing position, but he is again, minimum salary on the top power play. Uh, we are fully expecting Matthews to miss. Uh, he's been ruled out for the first three games. So, you know, Spezza should be another great value at 2.5. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the usual Marner and Matt or Marner and Tavares, uh, they're pretty expensive, but they're definitely in play. And then Willie Nylander at 5,600 is just a perfectly fine value option. Um, Toronto's definitely a good place to spend up if you want to just get like a tightly correlated high-priced power play stack. Uh, Pittsburgh at Florida, uh, I don't really understand. Brian Rust, Jake Gensel, they're both 7K. Uh, Jeff Carter, 6,500. I'll pass. Um, you know, I, I don't really want to go dumpster diving on this slate too much. Uh, Sam Bennett, 4,200 is just a screaming value. I uh, remember his play to close out last year alongside Huberto. He was incredible. I think you can stack him up with Huberto because Huberto is only 5,300. Um, but I really like Bennett on power play stacks as well. You know, getting in some Aaron Eckblad, who's a bit pricey at 5,800. Um, but Sam Reinhardt, 6,200 along Barkov. You know, I, I think you can definitely mix and match pieces of the Florida power play. Um, but I would say Sam Bennett is the crucial link to all of those stacks. Um, I think he's just an incredible value here. Um, and, you know, a bit thinner of a play, but certainly a correlated piece you should be considering if you play Sam Bennett is Owen Tippett. Uh, he will be on that second line with Bennett and Huberto. Tippett has a monster shot. Um, you know, he's just a very good goal scorer. So that's that game from my perspective. Let's go next to Dallas at the Rangers. Uh, the Rangers getting just uh, uh, my notes for them just say uh, erm, um, because I don't know. I don't know how you come back from that. You know, you spent all offseason preparing basically for this exact game and you come out and you embarrass yourselves. Um, I, you know, I don't expect Montreal, for example, to change everything up. I could definitely see the Rangers going scorched earth and going, you know, uh, Zabinich at Panarin or something. 
in general, I'm just going to stay away from it. I don't think Kako, for example, is a good enough value to really sort of make me want to tempt fate as far as uh, stacking up this team and stressing out about the combos. Because even if they don't, you know, uh, if they start normal, they could go into a blunder real quick, given just how brutal uh, this this last game was. So for Dallas, um, we're, we're monitoring a couple of things. Uh, both Radulov and Robertson are questionable. It sounds like Robertson is doubtful, while Radulov is probable. That would lead lead us to Ben Sagan Radulov, top line for Dallas. Um, it, it's a bit more expensive than I would have hoped for, but again, salary is not too much of an option or too much of a concern on this slate. So I'm definitely mixing in Dallas to my MME set, and Gurionov should be on a power play with Tyler Sagan. Uh, we truly have no idea what they're going to do. You know, both Robertson and Radulov, you know, figure to play key roles on, on those power play units. So, um, you know, if one or both of them misses, it's kind of like uh, we're going to need to wait for morning skate to really get anything concrete if we do uh, on those power play units. Um, but Gurionov at 3.4, I think, is a great value. Um, and the Mirror Heiskinen, if you're a Heiskinen guy, he's 3,800 while Essa Lindell is 5,300 for some godforsaken reason. Um, Miro and Suter have been manning the points of the power play too, so Miro is definitely in play. Um, it's just like a solid middle-ish tier value defenseman on this slate. So from there, we go to the Islanders at Carolina. Um, everybody in this game is, is odd. Uh, like that is just my first thought. There's nothing in here that I'm like, yep, that is to be expected. Um, so first, uh, just let's start at the center position. Barzell and Aho are both 7k. I'm not even sure these guys were 7k last year against like Buffalo. Um, and yet they're going against each other. You know, it's definitely not the worst matchup in the world for the Islanders. You know, Carolina is probably fine defensively. They're not like you know, stellar or whatever, but the Islanders might be the, the, the best defensive team in the league. Uh, they might even have the best goaltending as well. Like, if, you know, hockey viz, uh, Mike is season preview. Uh, it's basically them, Winnipeg and everybody else, as far as goaltending uh, talent is concerned based on the, you know, analytics. So I'm just not really tempted at all by Carolina here, especially because Carolina is a slight favorite on the money line. Um, I kind of disagree with that and I like Carolina this year like a lot um but it just feels like maybe it's they're overreacting almost to the uh, lack of Barlamov who won't be ready to start the year um but Sorokin I think is just a really strong uh, goalie as well so I, I think that's sort of where I start things Trochak Nelson they're both around 6k like you know uh, whatever it's fine then you go to wing and you're like, okay, Anders Lee, 7,200. Uh, uh, no, thanks. A Teravinen, Nechaz, Svechnikov are all four and a half to 5k. And that's where they're like, they're trying to tempt me. They're trying to say, you know, uh, pay up for Aho and then get the value on Svechnikov or whatever. Um, you know, we'll see what their lines actually shake up as. I don't think we've seen lines in a few days, but they've been doing some weird things throughout uh, their preseason. So 
you know, we're expecting those guys to all play premier roles though. And they're all kind of cheap. So I'm just sitting there like maybe, but then I get even cheaper and I go, yeah, if Oliver Wallstrom's time to shine, you know, is it's now, if he's going to really break out and establish a role, it's now Um, he's 2.8. He should be on the top power play. He's been practicing with Barzell on the, on the power play. So I really like Wallstrom and I think he's my favorite one-off from this game, even as people likely flock over to Svechnikov. Um, You know, there are just so many good wing values again, that I want to be mindful of, you know, everything matchup and ownership and all of that. So I think for that reason, Svechnikov might be on the cutting room floor, even though, you know, in a vacuum, it's a wonderful price. Uh, And then lastly on defense, we have, Everybody below 5K, including Pollock, um, Tony D'Angelo, who is the power play replacement for Dougie, is only 3,500. We have Noah Dobson, who could be a top power play guy at 2,700. So really, if you have a lean in this game, it's very easy to get over uh, on that, you know, on that lean without paying too much salary. So I do like that perspective, um, but it's sort of a defensive battle for me versus some of these other games. Uh, Speaking of lack of defense, let's go to Arizona at Columbus. Both of these teams probably going to be garbage. Um, And, you know, I don't see too much here besides maybe the cheapest, uh, like best value power play stack on the entire slate, which is the Columbus top line, which is, all listed as wings on DraftKings. Um, that's right. Um, they have Voracek, Line A, and Boone Jenner all at the wing position, meaning if you are trying to, you know, uh, stack it up, uh, you're not getting a center. You, you kind of need to get some wacky correlations to go with it, um, or you need to one-off, you know, a center, um, which is just weird, um, you know, so... I think for that reason alone, it might come in under owned uh, the Voracek line, a Jenner stack, but Boone Jenner should be on the top power play. And he has $3,100. Like that is asinine. Like Patrick line is massively underpriced at 4,300 and he averaged seven DK points per game last year. Um, Boone Jenner averaged eight last year, like same team, same everything. And he is $1,000 cheaper than the screaming value in Patrick Laine. Um, So, yeah, it, it's a little bit insane. I also think you can get away with a mini stack of like a Bjorkstrand Jenner and just hope that they hit on the power play because Bjorkstrand is also sub 5K. Um, but the defense here really does not interest me. As we mentioned, the centers are just weird. Like Roslovich and Texier are both north of 4K. There's no reason to play those guys. Um, if you ask me, so truly this is a game where it's like, you're either playing three, four Columbus wingers, or you're really not doing much of anything else besides maybe Chikrin at 6,200, you know, it's just like a top sort of jam them in deep player. Um, but I don't even like that so much uh, at this point. So, uh, just a really, really odd game all around. Um, so we have three more games now to, to go through. We have Tampa at Detroit at 7.30. Like expecting Tampa to remain the same. We saw practice today. 
nothing really changed besides some like window dressing on the fourth line and maybe the third line. Um, so the main guys are still the main guys. They are just obnoxiously expensive. Kucherov is more expensive than McDavid was on this slate. Uh, riddle me that one at 8,400. Um, Braden Point is 7K and Victor Hedman is also 7K. You can really, uh, wait. Never mind. I missed Andre Pilat. Uh, so Andre Pilat is 4,600. That That's perfectly fine. Steven Samkos is 5,700. Eh, like, sure, he can. Um, but I don't know. Uh, something about this doesn't really jump out at me. I think it's just the fact that, you know, uh, Kucherov is so expensive and there's just so much good wing value that I kind of feel like I might want to spend at the other positions on this slate. Um one interesting note for Detroit is that Lucas Raymond seems to have made the team. He should immediately slot into a top line, top power play role alongside Larkin. Um, so he's 3,700, Dylan Larkin's 6,600. It's not a great value spot, um, but I think Raymond is just a great GPP play because he, you know, he has multi-goal upside and is one of a few guys down here. Um, and just because there's so many options, you know, he should be completely unowned. Um, so I like him. The talent is otherworldly. Um, so let's, uh, let, let's move on from there though, because you know, you can play the top guns in Tampa and there's a sleeper for Detroit, uh, Seattle at Nashville. Um, I mentioned Nashville is a favorite in this game. Um, besides that, nothing else makes sense. Like literally nothing. Um, Jaden Schwartz is $3,200 while Jordan Eberle is $6,100. Why? I don't know. Uh, you tell me. I have no idea. So that's a really interesting situation where it's like McCann and Eberle are such like maybe a bit overpriced, but they're just such like normally priced top line, top power play guys. And then Jaden Schwartz is just like, hey, guys, uh, do you forget about me? And DraftKings is like, oh, crap, like that guy. Uh, that's basically what seems to have happened here. Um, similarly, you know, we've seen this a bit last year, too. But Philip Forsberg is 7,400. Ryan Johansson is 5,700. And then Ely Tolvanen is 3,600. Why? I don't know. Uh, Tolvanen is a straight up better play than Ryan Johansson, yet he is 2,000 cheaper. Um, but those guys correlate. So it's like, you know, you can play them all together. Um, I don't know. It, it just nothing makes sense about this slate. I tried warning you guys. Uh, it's just bizarre. Um, so, you know, a couple other guys, Ryan Donato, of course, um, you know, I, I really should have uh, put some money on the first goal in that Seattle game, you know, first Seattle goal. It was always going to be Ryan Donato. Are we kidding? Like, you know, he is just, the epitome of a goal scorer. And now his name goes down in history for one of the 32 NHL squads uh, as the fortunes foretold, if you will. Um, so he's a uh, one-off play, certainly in play at 2,700. You know, again, you probably don't need the value, but he's certainly a good play. And then we have Geo and Yossi um, at above 6,000. Vince Dunn came down a bit in price at 3,700. He's, you know, he's back in play now. Um, but you know, it's fine. So one more game to go and it's Vegas at LA. Um, and I, I think it's weird that March is so got priced down 
to 5,200 after being like 6K on opening night. Um, and Riley Smith is too cheap at 4,200 as well. William Carlson at 6K. Again, oddly expensive. I don't know why every wing seems to be underpriced and all the centers are just like through the moon. Um, it's similar note, Stevenson and Kopitar are both 6K as well. So it's like, you know, what are we really doing here? And then we see, oh, Nolan Patrick, guy who played on the top power play, uh, he's 2,500. Like, what are we doing here? I don't know. You tell me. Um, so really, I don't have much interest in the Vegas or LA side of things. I think if you like Vegas, it's pretty easy to basically stack up on them. And if you're, you know, if your guy is going into the late slate suck, like that's an obvious place where you can just pivot to LA because they'll be lower owned. Um, but it's certainly not as sexy of a spot. So yeah, I mean, that's the game by game breakdown. Um, there's still a lot of things that I kind of need to, uh, you know, consider, especially with the positional allotment. Um, I think any lineup that doesn't have four wingers is probably bad just in a, you know, in a nutshell, uh, because of just how much wing value exists here. I would be very careful to, you know, try and not play centers or D because there's probably a better alternative for your lineup at the wing position. Um, but it's so outlandish to me that I'm really going to have the stew on this one overnight. So, um, I do look forward to hearing your guys' thoughts on the podcast, on the slate. Be sure to hop into the Discord. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Morning Skate Pod if you want to get in that Discord. And yeah, um, big thanks to our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. I did not mention them off the top, but uh, in all honesty, uh, I was so busy trying to get my head wrapped around this, you know, uh, disaster of a slate, <laughs> um, you know, because I think it is pretty ripe for exploitation um, that I didn't really check out the underdog offerings for uh, Thursday, but be sure you're heading on over to underdogfantasy.com and using promo code MSP. When you sign up, you'll get $10 for free when you deposit $10 of your own, making that at least $20 to play with. Um, and yeah, uh, feel free to hop in on the Discord. I know DJ's been sharing some of his favorite underdog plays. I can't do the pickums in PA, so you know I don't spend my time on that because I can't do it. Um, but I certainly think that they have probably the best platform of all the sites that do this kind of thing. Um, and it's really, uh, it's really intuitive. It's really easy. It's a lot of fun. So uh, make sure you're doing that as well. Anyway, that'll do it. Um, follow me on Twitter. I am at fake moods and I already mentioned where you can find the podcast and the discord. So uh, do all those things if you have not already. And yeah, from Doug, from DJ, from myself, have a good slate, everybody. And we will see you.